Hello. I'm a bit late again doing this chat again this week. I've been busy with one thing and another, getting different jobs done. And I've been back to the canal and been on a charter trip. It's only supposed to be an hour's trip, so I got there plenty early enough. The boat had done a, a two-hour trip in the morning. Finished, I think, at one o'clock. Went from 11 till one. Hours was from two till three, so... I got there for about 20 past one, just to make sure everything was okay with the boat and we were still okay to go. And as it happened, there were four or five people there talking to the skipper of the day and discussing the boat and the canal and what happened there and how things worked. And they were curious to know when they could have a trip. And they were told they'd have to book and organise it as through the, the website and book their trip. But they carried on talking and the skipper kept on chatting. And they said, oh, we only want a, a bit of a taster just to see what it's like, see what happens. And then if we like it, we'll, we'll book a full trip. One of the longer ones. Anyway, we decided there and then we'd got half an hour to spare, we'd take them a 25-minute trip. Charged them a bit of a reduced rate because they weren't going the full distance and off we went. Quick flip round and not quite so far down the canal as we normally go, a turn round, back in. And they were very happy with it all, pleased as we'd put ourselves out to cater for them. Then it was the scheduled trip. I don't know whether it's for a children's party as it were, or but we'd got, I think it was six children on board with different adults and parents. An hour's cruise. On the way back, as is the custom, we let the children as are capable come up onto the onto the back deck and put their hands on the tiller, think they're steering. We uh, we have removable sides at the stern where passengers come on and off the boat, there are flaps that lift up and lock into place so that it forms a, a bit of a barrier so that you can't fall off the boat, can't step off un unintentionally. So we put those up and secure the rear deck and then they come up in turn and help steer the boat. We have little postcard sized pieces of card printed out that I helped steer the John Varley to and 
while one of the other crew was helping with the steering and talking to the children as they took it in turns to steer. I was writing out the certificates and signing them to say what they'd done and on what day. A good time was had by all, I think. Not only had they paid for the trip, they put certain money in the donations box near the rear door as well. It's pleasing when you see the smile on children's faces as they're getting off the boat and thanking you for what you've done. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy being on the boat. It's something I've always wanted to do. I've got the, the certificate now to say I'm competent and can manage a boat. So I've got what I wanted in that respect. And I've also got the satisfaction of seeing people pleased with what we've done for them. I noticed, well, Elaine showed it me on Facebook, that one or two people had commented on Facebook what a great time they'd had, how friendly the crew were, how well we'd looked after them. It's pleasing when you hear that. There is one bit of a cloud on the horizon, though. We were discussing it as we came back on the charter. The skipper of the day and myself were taking the boat the last little bit round a couple of tricky bends and past the slipway where we don't let other people steer, we do it ourselves because it's a bit tricky. And we were talking about the trip and what we'd done. And we were thinking, yes, we don't know how much longer we'll be able to do this or for how long we'll be stopped from doing it. Because apparently there is a new road being built around Chesterfield, a bit of a bypass, and that has got to cross the canal with a bridge. And no doubt at some point there will be disruption on the canal as they put the bridge in place. How they will do it and for how long they will want the access to build the bridge, I don't know. But it raises the question was, will they close the canal just where they're working, which will shorten the length of our trips, but we can still do trips, or will they lower the level of the water as well, so that they haven't got so much water to contend with as they build the bridge? If they lower the water level, we won't be able to run. If they put stop planks in, we may still be able to run. We may be able to keep the water level higher. We wait and see what they intend to do and how they intend to do it. But it is a bit of a worry that we could well lose revenue and not be able to do the trips that we've planned. I don't know how far in the future it is and I don't know how long it'll take them to build it but it is something to, to think about what will happen and how we'll cope. But in the meantime, we carry on as normal. We keep doing the trips and enjoying ourselves. I think I'm due on again in, I think it's three weeks' time with the longest trip we do, a six-hour round trip 
to Staveley and back. Staveley, Hollingwood Hub. I think we even go as far as Hartington Arbour, I'm not sure. I've not done that long trip yet. I've only done the shorter ones. There's a four hour and a six hour that I still haven't been on that I want to go and see where it goes, where we turn. Then I'll be competent enough to take the boat myself if I'm asked to skipper it. Looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. Got a, a sweatshirt with the Chesterfield Canal Trust on it. It's in the maroon colours of the John Varley crew. Got me a little badge with me. Skipper's licence on it. Elaine thinks I look the part. <laughs> Certainly makes me feel okay that I'm, I'm there and I'm capable of being in charge. Gives me a warm feeling. I was working this morning, I got a bit of work to do on the car. A bit of touching up and a bit of repainting. So I went into the garage and I'd got some old newspapers that I used to use when I was using a charcoal barbecue and such like. Or lighting the fires in the chimney. So I, I tore some pages out and I noticed that I'd got the sports section in my hand. And it had got football results and league tables from some time in, I think, 2016. And just out of curiosity, I looked where Burton Albion were at that time. Because that's when my son and myself were going regularly, got season tickets. He's changed his job, we don't go so often now, but it's still one of the teams. He used to be a, a keen follower of Derby County when he was a lad. Had a junior season ticket and used to go to Derby County. I, in my youth, used to go to Aston Villa. For many, many years I was claret and blue right the way through. It was only as he got older and started playing football and he actually wrote to Nigel Clough and said, can I come and train with your team? Can I come and have a trial? And that's where he went. What would he be? 15-ish, 14, 15? He went down anyway and he had a bit of a trial. And they didn't select him for Burton Albion, but they sent him to Stapenall to progress a bit, get in the air youth team and learn a few things. But he said to me, can we go and watch Burton Albion? That'd be what? Oof, everything. 37, 20, 20 odd years ago, 22 years ago. And for many years we went, certainly 20 years, we went to Burton Albion, practically every home match, and quite a few away ones. Went, went to Wembley for the League Two playoff final. 
but it was interesting that I looked and on the league tables in this piece of paper Burton Albion were in their glorious season when they were in, well they had two seasons there actually in the championship and I glanced down at the paper glanced down at the league tables just out of curiosity and Burton Albion were above both Aston Villa and Derby in the championship table. <laughs> I'm a silly person like that. I didn't burn that piece of paper, I've kept it. Burton Albion were higher up the league than Aston Villa and Derby. Happy days. We nearly made it more than two seasons there. I think it was only, was it an odd point? We were actually safe. We'd done enough to stay up in the second season. And then I think it was Nottingham Forest went from 2-0 up to 3-0 down to the team that was below us and they overtook us in the table. We were drawing and that team were losing. Sufficient to keep us up with a few minutes left in the game. And Forrest lost 3-2 after being 2-0 up. So the Albion had to try and do better than drawing. And in their flurry to try and score the winning goal that was kept us up, we conceded one and we went down. What a fighting finish though. What a finish. Did very well. Slipped back a bit now. We had a poor season this year, but that's how it goes. But yes, that was me. My highlight of this morning. I was doing the work on the car and I found this league tables from 2016. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. During the last week, I've been trying to sort out some of the books I've got. I must admit they are everywhere. I've got two fairly big bookcases that are, are packed with books. There's books lying on their side on top of books that are actually in the bookcase properly. I've got books several editions deep lying on top of the bookcases. I've got them in boxes in the loft, I've got them in boxes in the garage loft. But I actually found one of my favourite books. It's quite a historic one actually, it's a, printed in the 1800s and it's entitled The Siege of Litchfield, written by the Reverend, I think it's W. Gresley. It's a fictitious tale about people living in Litchfield at the time, but the events are real. It's set during the Siege of Litchfield in the English Civil War, the time of Cromwell. It was besieged by Cromwell's army, they attacked it, they 
were trying to take over. There's a house in Brook Street, no, the house in Dam Street, and there's a house, it's called Brook House, and it's where Lord Brook met his end, killed by what we would now call a sniper's bullet, musket ball in those days. But apparently he was outside this house in Dam Street when a guy named Diet had his musket at the base of the central spire, top of the tower at the base of the spire in Lichfield Cathedral. Now anybody that knows it, it's a heck of a way from the top of that central tower to this house in Dam Street where Lord Brooke was killed. It could only have been more by luck than judgment that this musket ball hit him. He must have fired it in anticipation that it might hit something rather than being an actual sniper taking aim. But unfortunately for Lord Brooke, it hit its mark. There's several little bits round about. There's a, a mound known as Prince Rupert's Battery where they set up various forms of cannon under the command of Prince Rupert to bombard the city. Hence the central spire was actually hit and was brought down. There's a sketch in this book that somebody made of the cathedral with its central spire shattered. In fact, in the, in the cathedral itself, there is a stained glass window dedicated to the bishop who helped replace everything after the Civil War. Like a lot of other places, many of the treasures of the cathedral were taken or destroyed by Cromwell's men. The Puritans didn't believe in church decorations and the, what they call the frivolities of it all. They stole all the bi all the jewels out of the jewel bibles. They whitewashed the walls to hide all the paintings. I think at one time they kept the hunting hounds in the cathedral as well. But in the book it weaves a tale of a young man and his his young lady and how they struggled against the odds through all of this. But to somebody that, well, I was at Litchfield Grammar School and I learnt a lot of this history through being there. But to somebody that's got a bit of an interest in that era and particularly around Litchfield itself, it was an interesting book and one that I, I acquired from a, a, a book dealer. I'm very pleased with it, very proud of it one of my favourite possessions in my books. Most of the others are a lot newer than that. I have got quite a large... It's a, it's, I think the, the, the actual book, it's quite a large book, very thick, 
sort of A4-ish size paper and it was a Sunday school gift for attendance to, I presume it's one of my great uncles. I know it's to one of the Seagraves, but I'm not quite sure where he fits into the line. I've not been able to trace where this guy comes in. It's, it's from 1913, so I don't think it's one of the great uncles that I've got the First World War medals from. I think he would have been too old to be presented with that. So I'm trying to find out whether he had a younger brother. But I'm not very good at genealogy and trying to look these things up. I'll get there one day. I'll get copies of the 1901 census and see who was around in those days. But there again, 2013, he might not have been born in 1901. I don't know. I'll keep looking, I'll keep digging. Something will turn up, as they always say. Well, one of the things that's kept me busy was last weekend was my grandson's 21st birthday. We met up and went for a meal. He's a bit like me though, he's not he's not one for fuss. He's not one for fuss. I'm I don't do birthdays or things like that if I can help it. The trouble is mine's New Year's Eve, so everybody wants a party anyway. But he was very good with it. He uh, he went along with what was happening and what was being done. His girlfriend was there and their family, we were there. And yes, it was it was an enjoyable time. Nice food. Room to ourselves in the side of the pub. Excellent. But yet again it was a drain on the time. As I say, I've been busy with various different things. Try to get it done on Sunday. I usually do it Sunday night and I thought, well, I'll try and get it done. Try and get it done. No, didn't happen. Tried to do it Monday. By the time I got different jobs done, it was a bit late to try and put it all together. I wanted to, but it takes me about 45 minutes to sort out and record all of this, so I hadn't really got the time. I'd now it'd be good too late into the night to be thinking and trying to talk so we're, we're around to Tuesday again and I'm still only just doing it even now it's a bit late unattended it's about quarter to eight in the evening but it's been done I'm standing here talking into this and I'm looking across and Looking past a few more books as are in front of me, even where I'm standing now. It's amazing the things as you you think are interesting. I've got a a book on Bletchley Park. 
good one actually it's in a little box of its own with various little um, facsimiles of Churchill's messages and coded messages it's a good one then I've got a book as my son bought me The Principality of Sealand Holding the Fort the story of a family that took over one of the Thames estuary forts and turned it into their house, their home became Prince Michael of Sealand in the end my lad actually applied and got a, a Duke of Sealand his grace the Duke of Sealand hey he's big into that sort of thing he got me a Lord of the Manor I'm actually a Lord of the Manor bit of land overlooking Coniston Water in the Lake District got a little map of where it is next to that I've got a biography of no it's an autobiography I, I'll rephrase that David Jason wrote it himself David Jason about the things he's done a couple of books on English Springer Spaniels when we decided we'd get Monty so as you knew a bit about what we were doing then a celebration of Derbyshire Cricket Club 150th anniversary of the founding of the club and they brought out a, a book to celebrate it two then that uh, are rather poignant their books as I bought for my dad one about Len Harvey who my dad he was a bit of a boxer himself my dad he sparred with a Midlands area heavyweight boxer and did quite a few different things but he thought Len Harvey was the greatest he worshipped the man so I bought him a biography of Len Harvey and one of my dad's proudest moments was he met and shook hands with Joe Lewis the greatest heavyweight champion and I bought him the Joe Lewis autobiography <laughs> yeah all good stuff all good stuff the last one in the line is the uh, the complete parahandy if ever you've seen the programme on the television about the tales of parahandy the Fisherman, the captain and his crew on one of the Clyde Puffers, the Vital Spark. I've got the book of the complete tales. Still funny, still amusing, even now. I love those stories. And having been up to the Crinan Canal and that area and seen a Clyde Puffer in action you can really understand what it was all about on those boats well I've just filled in a bit of time there describing all that but it gives you an idea of the various things that I read the amount of things that I'm interested in 
the things that I, I talk about. I mean, on other bookshelves, I've got all my stuff about the canals. On another shelf, I've got all the stuff about the railways and the history of the railways. And so it goes on. I just absorb all the all the knowledge that I can from it. I've got several about the history and the things that happened to the lifeboats. I was up in Malague and I got a copy of Surviving the Storms where different coxswains had said how they'd been out to rescues and got people ashore in the worst of storms, the worst of conditions. <laughs> I read those and I think now I think I'll stick to the canals. But having said that, if I get near the sea, if I get near the water, I just want to get on a boat and get out and enjoy it. So I think in my younger days, if I'd have had the chance, I'd have probably said, yeah, I'll have a go at being on the lifeboats. I'd have had a go. Fascinates me. Still does. Well, in the meantime, we persevere with, with Monty. Train him along. Encourage him with different things. and Try and teach him new things. He'll sit in a field and stay. And we can walk away and leave him. And he'll sit there until we call him. He'll retrieve things. He'll look for things. He still isn't walking very well to heel, but we'll keep working at it. We'll get him there. It went a bit crackers over the weekend. We went to my daughter's and took Monty with us, and she's got a, a young Springer that's about three or four months younger than Monty. Put them together in the garden there, and that was it. They'd gone crackers. They were chasing each other round and gambling about. Monty has enough after a little while, but he tries to settle down or tries to go and relax somewhere and Loki's at him all the while. Chasing him, nibbling him, bunting him, trying to chase him about. Monty tries to get away, so Loki just runs after him and so it goes on and on. Till in the end they're both exhaust themselves and they both lie there asleep. They don't hurt each other. We're supposed to be going away with the caravans later in the year. So they'll have a local beach and the whole of the area to play in. <laughs> we may never see them again, we'll have to see how it goes. It'll be interesting anyway to see how they get on. Well, I've digressed and covered a few subjects tonight. I hope you don't think I've tried to fill space by describing the books I can see in front of me, but it just caught my eye and even I was thinking, what a mixed batch of things I've got there. And then as I turn round and see the various subjects and topics and not all f factual books. There's a lot of novels and a lot of thriller stories up there. But the sort of things that I've got 
shooting books as well, as well as Dan Brown novels. But that's how I get on with things. I just enjoy reading, I really do. I couldn't do with a one as you have on a Kindle and it's all written down on a screen or an e-book where it reads it out to you. I've got to have the actual thing in my hand and turn the page myself. Old-fashioned, but that's how I am. I have to have the real thing. Anyway, that's 32 minutes gone. I'm overrunning my time. So I'll say, take care of yourselves. Be good. Ta-ra for now.